I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is Newsbeat. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Newsbeat, where we meld the realms of independent journalism and indie hip-hop to shine a light on lesser-known truths and social justice issues in the public good. I'm Manny Faces, Newsbeat's host, audio editor, and co-producer. Now, we've dedicated several episodes to exposing the deception of fossil fuel giants as they've reaped insanely exorbitant profits while simultaneously destroying our planet, knowingly and deliberately. Our most recent was a two-parter titled The Fossil Fuel Industry's Big Lie. Here's a snippet from one of our guests in that series, Ben Franta, a lawyer, historian, physicist, and senior research fellow in climate litigation at the Sustainable Law Program at Oxford University. He tracks fossil fuel disinformation. Check it. Today we see greenwashing and disinformation from fossil fuel companies. For example, themselves portraying themselves as working in clean energy when they're really not to any substantial degree. But that sort of disinformation and deception goes back decades. The earliest that I've found goes all the way back to 1980 when the American Petroleum Institute, which is this big trade association for the whole oil and gas industry, put out this policy booklet where it was promoting huge expansion of fossil fuels for decades to come. And it basically swept climate change under the rug. And this despite the fact that that same organization, the American Petroleum Institute, they had internal meetings and, and documents that described how they had been warned of catastrophic consequences from climate change. So there's this big mismatch between that industry's public communications and their internal understanding of the problem. And it, it really goes back decades. Okay, this new episode is a continuation of that coverage and elevates the quest for climate justice and true accountability to the next level. Our guests, Donald Brayman, associate professor at George Washington University Law School and director of science and policy at the nonprofit Justice Innovation Lab, and David Arkish, director of the nonprofit consumer advocacy group Public Citizens Climate Program, make the case for charging and prosecuting fossil fuel giants for homicide. That's right, homicide. They co-authored a paper explaining why, titled Climate Homicide, Prosecuting Big Oil for Climate Deaths which was published in the Harvard Environmental Law Review. Makes sense? Well, as you learn or might already know, fossil fuel companies have long been aware of the catastrophic consequences of burning fossil fuels. And these horrific ramifications have been claiming the lives of millions of people every single year, with much more deadly destruction projected far into the foreseeable future. That is, of course, until we have no future left. I mean, we're talking air and water pollution, melting polar ice, Rising sea levels, loss of farmland and crops, droughts, famines, even more intense heat waves, wildfires, megastorms, and that's just the tip of the melting iceberg. How many people have or will be slaughtered at the bloody hands of these greedy, maniacal, sociopathic executives and their respective death rigs? Impossible to quantify. I do know, however, that the environmental damage and body count will only get higher and higher and higher until they're stopped. But how do we do that? Well, Brayman and Arkish say, prosecute them for it. Take a listen to what they have to say and decide for yourself. And just a quick reminder that after you do, feel free to shoot us an email and let us know what you think at usnewsbeat at gmail.com or leave a review in your podcast app. 
Also, you'll definitely want to take a moment and subscribe to our free Substack newsletter at newsbeat.substack.com for new drops, bonus content, and much more. We're also at usnewsbeat.com for more info about us, all our past episodes, etc., etc. For now, here it is. This is The Case for Charging Fossil Fuel Companies with Homicide. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has hailed a major new report on climate change as a survival guide for humanity. Climate scientists from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change said that clean energy and technology can be exploited to avoid the growing climate disaster. But they also warned a key global temperature goal will probably be missed. They say the world is expected to warm above 1.5 degrees Celsius by the early 2030s. Humanity is on thin ice, and that ice is melting fast. As today's report of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, details, humans are responsible for virtually all global heating over the last 200 years. The rate of temperature rise in the last half century is the highest in 2,000 years. Concentrations of carbon dioxide are at their highest in at least 2 million years. The climate time bomb is ticking. Today, climate action through the courts as fossil fuel giants fail to deliver on climate pledges. Environmentalists are turning to litigation. But can a new crop of climate lawsuits force big oil to change its ways? There are so many climate lawsuits at this point that it is hard to keep track of them. And in fact, there are major databases devoted to keeping track of all of them. In general, the litigation initially tried to start off with tort suits just alleging harm, and those got shut down. And what's been happening more recently is that there's been a whole bunch of lawsuits by attorneys general suing for fraud, and that's sometimes shareholder fraud or consumer fraud at the local level. With this lawsuit, Minnesota becomes the fourth state to take on big oil for climate change, essentially saying that these companies and their industry group, API, broke the state's consumer protection laws by not warning consumers about the dangers of those products to the environment. On top of that, uh, more recently, the municipalities of Puerto Rico have sued, that's generally known as municipalities of Puerto Rico, the Exxon, but there are 40 defendants and 100 unnamed defendants uh, in a class action for all of the harms that Puerto Rico suffered as a result of the actions of the fossil fuel companies driving climate change and that driving Hurricane Maria in the aftermath there. Hurricane Maria, it blasted Puerto Rico today with sustained winds of 155 miles an hour. That left more than 3 million people to ride out the island's strongest storm since 1932. New Jersey is taking on the fossil fuel industry, suing five oil and gas companies along with their trade group, alleging they knowingly deceived the public about the role of fossil fuels in climate change. Even though these are civil suits that are suing for monetary damages from the fossil fuel companies, the acts and the conduct alleged in those suits and on which the suits are based also constitute crimes. A lot of these suits come out of the early work and the really path-breaking work that researchers did 
discovering what these fossil fuel companies knew. Now, researchers have claimed that the oil giant ExxonMobil accurately forecast how burning fossil fuels would cause the planet to warm, going as far back as the 1970s. Now, that's based on a new study by scientists at Harvard University and the Potsdam Institute of Climate Change. They say Exxon's own experts produced models on warming that were even more accurate than NASA's projections. The report's authors say Exxon made public statements that contradicted its own scientific data, including the claim that climate action wasn't an urgent problem. And essentially, they were marking Exxon's homework. They were saying, OK, so you say that these, you were saying back then those, these climate models don't work, aren't, aren't, aren't useful, aren't predicting the future well. What were you actually doing? And they've discovered that their climate scientists, their in-house climate scientists at Exxon, were actually very good at predicting how the climate was likely to change in the future. So, for example, I don't know if you remember, but back in the 70s, 80s, and even the early 90s, people were talking about a coming ice age. Well, they said that's not going to happen. In fact, we're going to go into a kind of super integration on a very warm period. They predicted when we detect the first uh, influence of human beings on the climate, about 2000, that detection was made and they got that spot on. They also worked out what the carbon budget would be, how much carbon we could emit in the atmosphere to stay within two degrees of pre-industrial temperatures. They got all of that right. In fact, better than, there's a really famous climate, climate mm. scientist at NASA called James Hansen, who's the kind of, you know, regarded as the world expert on this. They were outperforming him, not just by a, a small margin, by a really significant margin. These were really good scientists, yet at the same time as recently as 2013, the CEO of Exxon was saying climate models aren't particularly useful for predicting what the future is going to say. Almost entirely because of burning fossil fuels, global average temperatures have already warmed more than 1.1 degree Celsius. And that change in temperature has caused a number of other changes to our climate. And those changes involve things like more intense hurricanes, wildfires, floods, uh, all kinds of storms, also droughts. It's sort of feast or famine in this, in this new climate changed world, both more intense and more frequent, much worse heat waves. And the state of the science is getting better and better at showing uh, sort of what proportion of the harms or what proportion of the strength or intensity of a particular weather phenomenon we can trace to climate change. First, you started seeing um, studies producing evidence that, you know, this hurricane was 30% stronger. There was 30% more rain than there would have been. And the big killer in, in hurricanes is usually the flooding, the rains, and the um, storm surge. And even more recently, this is called attribution science, this sort of science of, of attributing uh, weather and harms to climate change. Is climate change affecting hurricanes? According to scientists, yes, climate change is making hurricanes wetter, windier and altogether more intense. Let's turn now to three extreme climate events around the globe, which many believe are linked by man-made climate change. A record heat wave in Japan, major flooding in Australia and a deadly avalanche in northern Italy. Well, as it's becoming evident around the world, these things are indeed becoming common. Uh, and also uh, scientists have told us that including a major report by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, what it said was all these different systems, whether it's ocean systems, desert systems, mountain systems, different systems have been disturbed because of the warming planet. And as a result, we see all these consequences.
And more recently, you even have studies showing, you know, X percent of the people who died in this heat wave, X percent are due to climate change, due to that more intense heat. And so we also know that not only has the climate changed in these ways, but it's killing people. It's killing thousands of people. Um, it's even killing thousands of people a year in the United States, although the harms are far worse in a lot of other places, particularly the global south. And we're on track for much worse. You know, the warning from the climate scientists, if we don't, you know, it's not too late to prevent some of the worst harms, especially if we act very quickly and dramatically. But if we don't, we are headed for absolutely catastrophic, devastating harms. Fossil fuel executives are testifying together before Congress under oath about the industry's role in causing climate change and their efforts to cover it up. For far too long, big oil has escaped accountability for its central role in bringing our planet to the brink of a climate catastrophe. Exxon and other big oil companies had the opportunity to tell the truth and lead the way to find alternative energy sources. But instead, big oil doubled down on fossil fuels. Working with the American Petroleum Institute and the Chamber of Commerce and other front groups and PR firms, the industry ran a coordinated campaign to mislead the public, hide the dangers of its own product, and derail global efforts to reduce greenhouse emissions. Once you realize how much they knew and how accurately they were predicting what was going to happen to everybody as a result of their extracting, refining, marketing, and selling their product to everyone without warning, right? not telling them what was going to happen, then you start to realize that, oh, in the criminal law, we say that's a culpable mental state, right? <laughs> that's a mens rea problem. It's one thing if you accidentally do something, it's another thing if you do something that you should know uh, that you shouldn't do, right? You should know better, that's negligence. Or uh, if you are consciously disregarding a substantial and unjustifiable risk, that's another type of culpable mental state. It's a more serious culpable mental state, recklessness. Or if you know or have are practically certain that something's going to happen. Knowledge, that's a very culpable mental state. So all of those are culpable mental states. Anyone who knows the facts knows that fossil fuel companies are generating a huge amount of CO2, right? Their products are doing that. And that is driving climate change and climate change is killing people, right? So that I don't think there's any question about that. The real revelation was that they knew that was going to happen and they went ahead anyway. And that's what makes it a crime. Tonight in Pakistan, a monster monsoon causing unprecedented devastation across the country. Since mid-June, the massive floods killing over 1,100 people and displacing millions. As temperatures soar across Europe, massive wildfires have erupted throughout the continent. Spain, Greece, France, Italy, and the UK all battling blazes, while Portugal reports more than 1,000 deaths from the heat. Researchers 
say heat-related deaths in the Middle East and North Africa will be 60 times higher by the end of the century if no climate action is taken. The London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine predicts that, in a worst-case scenario, about 123 people in every 100,000 will die, and that's far more than any other region in the world. The simple version is that you know, the, the word homicide means any unlawful killing, you know, an act that, that results in, a, in an unlawful death. And there are different kinds of homicide. And the main difference between them depends on your mental state when you committed it, right? Were you negligent in committing the act that, that resulted in people dying? Were you reckless? Did you know that they were going to die? Or at worst, was it a premeditated murder? Did you intentionally kill somebody? When we looked through the law carefully, we found that the conduct of the fossil fuel companies combined with their mental state, basically, in our view, meets every form of homicide out there except for premeditated murder. So they, at a minimum, were negligent to the possibility that people were going to die from continuing to burn fossil fuels. Pretty easy, in my view, to make a case they're reckless. Pretty easy to make a case that they knew very well what was going to happen. And they have great internal studies. Some of their own scientists are, the, are some of the most published scientists in the world, most respected scientists in the world on climate science. Dr. Hoffert, your work with Exxon was focused on the carbon cycle and climate modeling. I have yes. a slide up here. Are you familiar with this graph from 1982? Can you uh, briefly explain what it shows? Sure. Uh, what it shows is a projection into the future of uh, carbon dioxide levels and uh, climate change associated with those uh, carbon dioxide levels. And, and it's a very accurate representation of what today's climate change actually is. So this was a model from 1982 with that, right. startlingly accurate projections into the present That's day. correct. So in 1982, Exxon accurately, 1982, seven years before I was even born, Exxon accurately predicted that by this year, 2019, the Earth would hit a carbon dioxide concentration of 415 parts per million and a temperature increase of one degree Celsius. Dr. Hoffert, is that correct? We were excellent scientists. <laughs> yes, you were. Yes, you were. So they knew. They knew. They knew. And while they were denying publicly the climate science, some of their own scientists were leading scientists in the, in the community. So they knew what was going to happen. And what they did with that knowledge was they did not warn people. They did not tell anybody. that you know, It'd be one thing. I wish they would decide they need to change their business model and change it as quickly as possible. But short of that, they could at least alert the public and alert public officials that there is this problem that needs to be solved. And you know, if they're gonna just sit around and make other people solve it, okay, that's something. But instead, they deliberately lied and tried to deceive people about what was happening. And it's clear from their own internal documents that the reason was they were worried about regulatory responses. They wanted to be able to keep doing it. That alone, and the, the fact that they were sort of deceiving people about this, also helps establish a culpable mental state. Why are they lying about what they're doing if they think it's an okay thing to do?
Well, today, some of the top oil company executives faced a grilling on Capitol Hill. Now, lawmakers questioned them about accusations. The industry misled the public about fossil fuels contributing to climate change. The gentleman from Vermont, Mr. Welch, is recognized for five minutes. Mr. Wood, on June 6th of 1978, one of your excellent scientists, James Black, in the product research division, circulated a presentation he had given to the management committee on the greenhouse effect. There's general scientific agreement that the most likely manner in which mankind is influencing the global climate is through carbon dioxide release from the burning of fossil fuels. That's a quote. In your leadership of Exxon, are you aware of what action was taken by the board after that report to it about the greenhouse effect was presented? My understanding, uh, Congressman, is that that report summarized the work of the broader scientific community uh, and uh, the full reading of that report is consistent with, with the broader community. And well, let me go on. There's research. others here. I, I, that, as you know, I don't have that much time. December 18 of 1980, Exxon employee Henry Shaw sent an internal memo. Oh. An increase in the global average temperature of 3 degrees centigrade. And uneven global distribution of increased rainfall. In addition to some particularly dramatic questions that might cause series of global problems, such as melting of ice caps. Did Exxon, uh, to your knowledge, share that information, really crucial information, with the public at that time? Uh, I wasn't uh, working for the company at that time. And so you're not aware you're not aware my, that that information was made available. My understanding in November twelfth, knowledge uh, we had no unique knowledge. We were basically well. Let, let me just go through this because these are records from your own company. All right, uh, these are not fake news. This is internal documents. The prototypical way that we think of murder is someone has a gun and they shoot somebody, but people go to prison all the time for, for killings they did not intend to commit. So unintentional killing is a large part of what the DAs and attorney generals across the country prosecute. Really the question there is how much did you know and when did you know it? Because if you proceed with whatever acts you're undertaking and you cause death, and you knew that that was going to happen, or you had a reason to think that that would happen, or you're conscious of a risk that, that would happen, all those are those culpable mental states, and all of those trigger, at least in terms of the doctrine, homicide. That's it. Killing somebody with a culpable mental state is criminal homicide, and it's just a question of what form of homicide is it. So it's not that complicated in terms of the doctrine. We go through all the possible defenses. Those are a little bit more complicated, but you could even just be committing a misdemeanor or a felony like fraud or reckless endangerment or you know one of these other felonies that they've been committing. And if someone dies in the course uh, as a result of that felony, then you could be held accountable for those deaths as well through homicide charges with either misdemeanor manslaughter or felony murder charges. In the criminal law, causation means to uh, substantially contribute to or accelerate one or more deaths. Causing death in the criminal law means that you have made a substantial contribution to or accelerated a death. Well, for all these climate-related deaths, right, these are the folks who are substantially contributing to and accelerating their deaths. 
And the attribution science is just getting stronger and stronger and more precise. But you don't have to have perfect attribution to be able to bring a case because these fossil fuel companies in their internal memos documented the state of their knowledge and their predictions about what they call, these are not my terms, globally catastrophic effects of their business model, right? Who proceeds with a business model without alerting anyone when the effects that you predict will occur will be globally catastrophic? I cannot think of a single person who would say that that is reasonable behavior. I think that that is criminal behavior, and I think prosecutors should be alerted to that. Right. I mean, this is based on, on forecasts to a certain extent. This is nothing more than speculation. What ExxonMobil say today is categorically they reject any notion of a cover-up. They deny and refute any notion that they knew back in the 1970s that burning fossil fuels was going to be fundamentally damaging to the planet, planet in terms of, of global warming. What, what do you say to that position? Well, we know that their scientists presented to the Exxon leadership these results and uh, they, these results, they came with uncertainty margins and uh, it was very clear that there would be a significant warming there. There's no way these modeling results uh, could suggest that there, there is a possibility of no warming. The truth of the matter is that the more that we know, the worse it looks. David sent me just a couple of days ago the revelations about shell oil and what they knew and the Dirty Pearls research project that is just being released we had the Exxon New series, and so we know a lot about what Exxon knew. Now we're learning a lot about what Shell knew. And Shell, back in the 1980s, they depict two possible futures. One is a sustainability future in which fossil fuels and other carbon-forcing fuels are slowly reduced down, and alternative energy sources are allowed to enter the market and are nourished and nurtured, and they uh, and we have a sustainable world. Even though the world is going through uncertain times, we know there's an urgent need to tackle climate change. That's why at Shell, our ambition is to be a net zero emissions energy business by 2050 or sooner. We aim to meet our customers' demand for cleaner energy, keeping in pace with society. The alternative, which is the path that they advocated for and chose, was the global mercantilist path. And they show the CO2 and the temperatures rising as a result of that. And they understand what those consequences are and they detail them in their internal reports. I mean, those are, journalists call them the smoking guns, right? Both from Exxon and from Shell. And I think it's important for people to understand that the fossil fuel companies privately internally have never been climate deniers. They've only been climate deniers externally. In the fall of 2015, an investigation by the Pulitzer Prize winning Inside Climate News, as well as the Los Angeles Times and the Columbia School of Journalism, 
revealed a trove of documents from scientists inside oil giant ExxonMobil, showing that Exxon scientists understood the mechanisms and consequences of human-caused climate change as early as the late 1970s and early 1980s. The documents show Exxon understood a clear scientific consensus existed on the greenhouse effect, that the buildup of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere could become a serious problem, and mentioned the distinct possibility of effects that could be catastrophic for a substantial fraction of the Earth's population. Exxon scientists stated their research was in accord with the scientific consensus on the effect of increased atmospheric CO2 on climate. Multiple documents mentioned potential adverse impacts, such as flooding of coastal land masses due to the melting of Antarctic ice sheets. Mr. McCoy will become one of the first ever executives to claim that ExxonMobil has aggressively fought climate science using front organizations to maximize shareholder profit. Did we aggressively fight yeah. against um, uh, some of the science? Yeah. Uh, yes. Did we join some of these shadow groups uh, to work against uh, some of the early efforts? Yes, that's yeah. true. Uh, but there's nothing, there's nothing illegal about that. Yeah. The only requirement for a prosecutor to bring a case is that somebody has died in their jurisdiction. So any prosecutor where somebody has died from a climate-related death could bring the case. We can get into who is more or less likely to do it, right? And that, that has to do with politics, that has to do with the economy in the area and how much power fossil fuels have or how many people they employ and, and, and things like that. And also the resources of that particular prosecutor's office and whether they're willing to take on what would surely be a gargantuan task and, uh, and and lots of you know risk to them in terms of the ferocity of the responses from the industry. But anybody where somebody has died could bring the case. Even in a case of, of a heat death, for example, where a heat death is often recorded as something else. Extreme heat causes other problems and contributes to other health maladies, contributes to strokes, heart attacks, you know, all kinds of other problems. Talk about the extreme heat we're dealing with these days. It's the number one weather-related killer in the United States. When extreme heat is combined with high humidity, health risks multiply. High heat and humidity can compromise the body's main cooling mechanism, sweating. Overall, we know summers have warmed since 1950. Temperature, though, is only part of the story. The other part, humidity. On average, summer humid heat has increased three times more than air temperature since 1950. If you have expert testimony establishing that the excessive heat from global warming, from climate change, was a substantial contributor to the heat wave, to the intensity of the heat, and if the intensity of the heat is a substantial contributor to whatever health problem the person had, that is enough under the law. You do not need to be the sole, the defendant does not need to be the sole cause of a death to be convicted of some form of homicide, far from it. All they need to have done is substantially contribute to the death. At the end of the day, the decider of whether the, the defendant substantially contributed to the death is the jury. And the jury makes that decision based on whether they think it is just to hold the defendant accountable in this situation for that death.
there is nothing like this in human history in terms of the scale of the harm. You can compare it to World War II, but what we're headed for is worse. In fact, we may already be there. One thing we don't actually address much in this paper is the health harms, including deaths, merely from air pollution, from fossil fuels, right? Because we're focused on climate, because that's going to be globally catastrophic and could end civilization, which is an even bigger harm. But in terms of the death toll to date, you know, there's a study that came out recently out of Harvard that found that 8 million people die globally a year from fossil fuel air pollution. From air pollution is caused almost, almost entirely by burning fossil fuels. It's responsible for one in five deaths globally. Now, I don't know that, you know, that was the rate in maybe 2018. I don't know what it was, you know, a few years before that, a few years after, but you take, you know, 8 million on average, it doesn't take long before you're, you've killed more people than Stalin, Mao, Hitler combined. An invisible killer on the loose, responsible for millions of deaths. But it's not coronavirus, rather air pollution, which has added to the worry for scientists. On Tuesday, a detailed analysis published by Harvard University and three British universities revealed that air pollution from burning fossil fuels was responsible for the deaths of one in five people in 2018. We, we were also sort of blown away by um, just how large the estimate was that we obtained. I think in some ways, the scale of the harm makes people wonder whether or not this is a criminal case at all. I think some people think that this is too big for the criminal law to handle. But we think that what the criminal prosecution has to offer is a far better and more appropriate way to address this than what we have seen thus far, which we could say there have been some procedural successes in the other lawsuits, but what we haven't seen is any success in restraining the lethal conduct of these fossil fuel companies yet. And until we see some success on that front, I think we're convinced that a prosecution could help hold them accountable more quickly and more effectively than what we're doing right now on its own. Well, there you have it. The case for charging fossil fuel companies with homicide. I mean, it kind of makes sense to me. Isn't that like the least they deserve? Literally actively destroying our planet. They're literally chipping away at our collective lives. Catastrophically, knowingly messing with communities across the globe. That sounds like criminal culpability to me. Anyway, as usual, a huge, huge thank you for listening and to our two incredible guests. And as I always remind you, if you liked what you heard or learned something or got fired up by all this, hell, even if you just want to vent, tell us how you feel at usnewsbeat at gmail.com. Also, please take a moment to subscribe to our Substack newsletter at newsbeat.substack.com. It's free, and you'll be sure to get all our new episodes, bonus content, and much more. And if you have a minute, consider rating and reviewing us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Pocket Casts. We're in all the places. And we're at usnewsbeat.com for all previous episodes, extended guest and artist bios, and much more. To learn more about the work of our guest, Donald Brayman, follow him on Twitter, at Donald Brayman. That's B-R-A-M-A-N. 
and head over to Justice Innovation Lab at justiceinnovationlab.org. He can also be found at donaldbrayman.github.io. And learn more about all the incredible work of David Arkish and Public Citizen by following along on Twitter at David underscore Arkush, A-R-K-U-S-H, and at Public underscore Citizen. Once again, this is Manny Faces. On behalf of the entire Newsbeat team, I thank you for listening. Until next time, wishing the world peace, love, and justice. I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is Newsbeat. This is a Many Faces Media production. Many Faces! You sick for this one. Sick for this one.